You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Good morning, sports fans. Mike Andafo here. And uh, it's another snowy morning in the, uh, the Kentuckiana area, so it's a good morning just to kind of sit back, relax, and let's talk sports for an hour or two hours. Uh, if you want to call in, our phone number is 502-384-1450 on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line. Uh, Oxmoor Ford Service. Uh, always appreciate their sponsorship. And uh, I'm actually joined today by a very special guest. In stu- uh, in Actually, we're at the RE Solutions studio. And uh, we have the Jeffersonville head soccer coach, Carson Webb. Carson, how's it going? It's great. How are you? I am, uh, I'm doing fantastic and uh, excited to, to be in here talking some sports. I was afraid that we uh, might actually get canceled this morning, but uh, it's all working out. And we're live on air after my, uh, I've been off recruiting for the last two weeks so it's uh it's good to be back on the radio show but uh lots happened in those two weeks that i've been gone um obviously i haven't even really got to talk much about the bobby petrino being hired uh which is a big deal uh, i know you're a kentucky fan uh but how do you feel about bobby petrino coming back to the uh back to the area well when i when i looked at it i was looking at the coaches they had possibilities and i don't blame louisville at all for, for bringing him back i think it was a good move i think he was the best coach available yeah, I mean, he definitely probably was the best coach available. I, I just, I always find it kind of funny that you, you know, Louisville wants to be considered one of these top football programs, but yet they went out and hired someone who is not hireable by those schools. Texas was not pulling up Bobby Petrino's name on a on a coaching shirt search. Right. So, um, and th- for that matter, any of the other schools that have been open since his little incident happened. You know, his name was not coming up in the coaching search. I don't even think he was hireable at UK last year. I don't think he was ever in, even in consideration at UK. I don't know if it was either. He wasn't. He, they weren't banging down Bobby's door by any means. I don't even know if he was in their top five. So, and um, you know, because of that, I mean, they had they had to went go out and take a risk. I think to maintain their their status as a top twenty football program, which I think right now they're probably in that conversation. I don't know if they're quite there yet. We had that talk before, and they. You and I did, and, and I, I think they're up there somewhere. I don't, I don't, I don't know if they're top twenty right now, but I, my big thing is I think they did not want another Crab Cragthorpe issue. That's and what go I, back down that that path and and put them another four years behind. So that's why I don't really blame them. I think that Jurich was, you know, on the he was he was probably on the on the hot seat, so to speak, if he. If if he had another bad hire and put the football program behind, well, I just I think I couldn't agree with you more. I think that had as much to do with the Bobby Petrino being hired than anything else. Is that they were afraid they needed the safe play. They couldn't go down the road of uh, who I thought the Michigan State defensive coordinator, whose name um, escapes me right now. I thought he was probably the would have been the hire, but they can't take the chance of you know going through a tough spell. Uh, they need to carry this momentum out for sure. I, I agree with you. Bob, if Crackthorpe never happened, I don't think Bobby Petrino's hired today. I don't. I agree with that 100%. I don't think he would be either. But, you know, he's a great coach. I mean, uh, take all that stuff aside that, that happened previously. You know, I, most of my Louisville fans that, 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 are, that I'm friends with say, hey, he's a good coach. He can win. That's what, that's what they want. And, you know, if he if he's successful, it, it'll it'll be short lived. I, I just think he's going to keep a 
I think he's going to keep a low profile until he gets a big recruiting class coming in. I don't think you'll hear much from Bobby Petrino until the spring. Um, it's going to be, I think it's going to be very interesting to see just how that whole thing unfolds. And we're going to find out how good they really are. Their schedule was released this week. Right. Um, and it is, Brutal. it's tough. I mean, Brutal. there's no doubt about it. I mean, as far as the, Looking at the, you know, this home schedule opening up with Miami, yep, which is a, a rematch after the bowl game, which is going to be fantastic. It's always going to be fun when Miami and Louisville play, uh, with all the the cross. There's so much between those two schools with Howard Schnellenberger, all the Miami kids on Louisville's roster. You know, there's still even though Teddy Bridgewater's gone, there's still a bunch of them on the roster. Right. Um, it's to me, it's going to be great. They've had a lot of recent history. I'm sure Miami's. Uh, it won't be hard for the Miami coach to keep Miami focused after you know they got embarrassed in that bowl game. Right. They'll, uh, be, they'll be ready for that game. And, and Miami, uh, Clint Hurt came from Miami too, which he just he, he just said he was leaving. But, you know, they, that's a big recruiting area for, for Louisville. And, and, and we talked about Miami or uh, Louisville being one of those teams that are, that are very good. And, and maybe in the top 25 conversation all the time. So, I mean, that does kind of put a target on their back as well, that teams don't want to come in and yeah. they're going to be ready to play them. Well, actually, I mean, really, when you think about how bad the home schedule has been for Louisville football, I mean, this is kind of nice for Louisville fans to get this kind of a home schedule. So Miami, Murray State, Wake Forest, NC State. No, You know, Miami's definitely the hardest game out of those four. NC State's kind of hit and miss. But then you close out with Florida State and Kentucky. So you got the national champion right. coming in. To to the uh, to almost at the Yum Center to Papa John's, right? And I think that game's on a Thursday night, just like the rain game was a couple years ago. Uh, and they get to kind of—I mean, you're going to hear so much about that rain game, That's right? Uh, which I was there, but luckily did not get soaked. <laughs> I was up in the Brown Williamson Club, so Lucky I was you. I was nice and dry. Lucky you, <laughs> yes. I had some friends there that that came back, and you know they didn't need a shower when they got home. No, it it was. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been to a football game that's where it's rained more. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, it wasn't too hard to get the goalpost out, let's put it that way. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, the only really tough road game they've got, you know, they've got to, they've got to go to Clemson, and then they got uh, at Notre Dame, which I'm a huge Notre Dame fan. So Notre, they finished with Notre Dame, Kentucky. I, you know, it's, that's pretty awesome. So uh, I'm still not a big fan of the Kentucky game being last. How do you feel about that, by the way? I don't. Well, I don't like it just because – Maybe I say that, but maybe just because I'm used to it being first. Yeah, third. I'm used to it. To I'm used to it being the beginning of the season. We, you know, you get um, you get in the spring, and you're you've been off of Kentucky basketball, or you know, when when the championship's over, you, you've got the summer, and then you're looking forward to football season. And what better way to start the football season when than playing your your rival? And so I enjoy the the first, but you know, if it's going to be last. The, I guess the benefit to it being later is they they've played most of their schedule. It'll mean more going into you know possibilities of bowl games. They may need those wins, or, or you know, it, it, there's pluses and minus to both of them. So I'm used to it being first. I'd like for it to be first, but um, you know, it, it will have more implications on bowl status. I just I, I like the party aspect of that game. Yeah, and it's hard to tailgate when it's ten degrees outside and. The that's, weather's crappy. That's and, true. That's true. And then, so that's that's really part of the big reason why I don't like that. You know, I go back to um, the Kentucky's usually 
playing Tennessee in the last game of the year. So, right. And for a lot of the state, that's a much bigger rivalry than Louisville is. True. And we've been to a lot of those Kentucky-Tennessee games where the stadium was two-thirds full because it was just too cold and right. no one tailgates or whatever else. And I just uh, – I don't want to see that happen with the Louisville game. I want I like the – the lead up, like you talked about, first game of the year. I think that's the best place for it on that Labor Day week, on on the Sunday before Labor Day, and you get all that lead up to the game. You know, especially in sports talk radio. I mean, you talked about that game for an entire month while oh, yeah, baseball is going on because nothing else is really going on. The exactly. NFL hasn't started yet, and baseball is winding down. But you've got four weeks to really kind of hone in on that game and kind of lead up to it. Now it's kind of, you know, basketball season will have already started. It'll be just kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit. Yeah, I think it could be. And that's, you know, I, you made some good points there. I, I, I think that it'll, it'll hurt some of the, some of the, some of the build up to that game. Cause it, then you'll have, then you'll have four days to talk about it. Cause you're not going to, you may start talking about it on the radio or, or, or your friends and stuff, but you know, there's conference game that'll go on a week before that. Yeah, and then they won't. You know, it's all all of a sudden you finish with Georgia or whoever they're playing, and then they got to go to Louisville. Right. So it, it'll it'll lose some of the hype, for sure. Three eight four fourteen fifty is the Oxmore Ford Lincoln Service by line. Oxmore Ford Service with free uh, shuttle service. I'm sorry, free shuttle service in a clean, comfortable customer lounge with free Wi-Fi, big screens, big uh, business center, and friendly people. The Oxmore Ford Service is a great place to take your car if you need your car serviced. Um, you mentioned Clint Hurt. Big news this week, I guess, with Clint Hurt taking a job with the Chicago Bears. We know that he's been instrumental to Louisville's recruiting efforts over the last couple of years. That's kind of one of Bobby Petrino's weaknesses. If you if you had to give him a weakness, is that he's not known as this great recruiter. Now the top recruiter leaves, but I kind of think that Louisville's probably like more like good riddance than they are, you know, wishing he would have stuck around. You get the typical response: "We wish him the best." You know, but there's not a lot of, of, there's not a much, there's not a whole lot of of press about it, and, and you know, with the with the scandal he dealt with at, at Miami, listening to the weekend sports buzz tell us your thoughts on the oxmoor fort lincoln buzz line at 384-1450 all right sports fans we're back here at the uh, at the weekend sports buzz mike and doppel here carson webb uh if you can't listen to us on the radio make sure you download our, download our app and listen to the sports buzz in crystal clear digital quality search 1450 the sports buzz in the itunes app store or android market Powered by Insuremax, call Chad or Alan Hennessy at 479-4085 for all your home, auto, and life needs. I apologize for the uh, sudden disruption. We had a little internet connection problem. I'm not sure if it was us or the studio, but we're back on the air now, and we're uh, going to continue talking more about Clint Hurt. And we uh, you know, mentioned that Clint Hurt was really vital to uh, Louisville's recruiting success, especially in the Miami area, uh, but... Uh, he also had his issues. So is Louisville, are Louisville fans upset about Clint Hurt going to the Bears, or are they kind of more like good riddance and kind of move on from that whole – not really – it wasn't a black mark on Louisville, per se. I don't know if, I don't know if how when Clint Hurt got in trouble, and he did get in trouble a little bit for what, something that happened at Louisville. I'm not sure if it's necessarily 
you know, something that uh, that Louisville had the black mark. You know, it was definitely more of what he did at Miami. Right. But still, just the the underlined, you know, question marks, I guess, that surrounded Clint Hurt. Are they okay being gone with that and, and moving on to their new staff? Well, regardless of whether it was is if it was him at at Miami or Louisville, it's still the scandal still happened while he you know while he's at Louisville, they hear about it and they it, it it does probably put a negative aspect on your program, so to speak. But do you really blame the guy for going to the NFL if that's his job? I mean, no, I, mean, I, I've, I at Louisville, as a little, I mean, he did a great job. You know, he's known as a great recruiter, from what I understand. He brought some, you know his defensive his defenses have been good at at Louisville and Miami and. I don't know what job he's going to take at the Bears. I'm assuming some something on a defensive line, but um, they haven't made that announcement yet. But I mean, good luck. No, I mean he can't get another job in college. I mean because he's got that that show cause against him. Right. So really, you know, he has a chance to go to the NFL. Uh, you know, good luck to Clint Hurt. And, and uh, I, you know, I think there's always going to be that connotation and that worry that you know this guy was obviously cheating at the University of Miami to get the same Miami kids that. Go that went to Louisville to go to the University of Miami. So yeah. it's like, was there something shady? Not saying that there was or wasn't, right? But was there, you know, a potential of something shady going on to get those kids to come to Louisville? Well, that question mark's always going to be there. That, you, that doesn't go away. That's on your. Yeah. That's on your. That's attached to your name anytime you do anything when, in, in football, and it's always going to be there. And just like you know, I got it as a Kentucky fan. I would, I'm sitting here looking at the unbelievable recruiting class. That Mark Stoops putting together after a yep. two and 11, two and ten season. I'm talking to my dad, and I was like, you know, this is almost too good to be true. I mean, do you think do you think we're doing things on the up and up? I mean, and we got no reason to think that any of those guys have yeah. ever cheated in the past or anything like that. But you just got to wonder when you see a, a total 180 in recruiting uh, if things are handled on the up and up. You can always question, but until there's something until until there's something that's that's in stone that he did something, you know. We can't. Uh, yeah, right. You can't. You know. But here's my thing with the recruiting class. I'm looking at it, and, they, and it's phenomenal. Yes. And, and for us, for Kentucky fans, it's unbelievable. Fans, and it's and it's great. And then you look at it, and then it's like tenth in the SEC. Right. It's like, you you think it's great, and it's like, well, geez, here we go again. That's going to be, you know, no matter how good this recruiting class is, and you're tenth. But you know, Randall Cobb is a three star. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and look what he's doing. You know. And I think football recruiting is not nearly as easy as basketball recruiting. I mean, fo- mm-hmm. basketball recruiting, I get to go out and watch these guys play against each other all the time, and it's not you're not you're not comparing two guys, that, um, especially in football in general. You don't have a defensive tackle who goes up against another defensive tackle ever. Right. And you know, I get a chance to go see the number one center play the number two center. You know, they probably play two or three times a year, and um, and. You never even really even get the those two teams on the football side in the same area, but basketball you can make head to head comparisons and just kind of it's a little bit easier, and that's still not an exact science. Football recruiting for sure is, uh, and because there's so many diamonds in the rough, there's so many kids out there who don't have the exposure that some of these other kids that you know that could be great football players, and obviously Randall Cobb is a guy that was a three star because mainly because of his size, right. and he's not. He's, I don't even know how to put this because this is going to sound kind of weird, but he's not the greatest athlete. I mean, he's, it's not like he's super fast and anything like that. He's, he's just he's the perfect mix. Yeah. So, um, you know, football recruiting is definitely a lot more difficult. But I think 
to your point of Kentucky now being the ninth or tenth best recruiting class in the SEC and still being top twenty recruiting class overall, at least it narrows that talent gap. Oh yeah, I think it's great, and it, they don't have to win all those games. Uh, you know, I, I was I was fine under the Rich Brooks era. Going to, I mean, I went to to watch I went to watch them play Florida State, which that's when they had uh, the Music City Bowl, right? Right, and and went watch them Clemson play yeah. and beat them both, and you know that that was fine. I mean, eight and five season, and go to a bowl game, and or seven and five season, go to a bowl game and win, or what? I mean, it was fun, and, and that I was okay with that as a Kentucky fan. I mean, just to be competitive, it was brutal to watch this year. As a Kentucky football fan, or a Kentucky fan in general, do you feel like Kentucky fans expect to be at this upper echelon in the SEC and compete for you know possibly win the East and maybe go in the SEC championship? Or do you feel like Kentucky fans just want to be entertained and want to be able to go to bowl games? I would say the latter. I would say be entertained and, and, and have a good product. I don't – I'm speaking from my, my own perspective and some of my friends. I mean, if they're competitive, that's all I can really ask for. I mean, I, that, that SEC is brutal. It's brutal. And, and it's, I would love to win the SEC. East. And, you know, at some point I think that would be great, but I, that can't be an expectation. Well, and I, I agree with you. So, like, I, I'm kind of the same way. Like, I listen, if they won the SEC East and they went to the SEC Championship game, I'd be the one of the first guys to be at, try to buy tickets and get to Atlanta oh, yeah. or wherever it was to go see the game. But at the same time, I'm kind of, I think I'm kind of a realist. I mean, that's a huge hill to climb. And I'm like you, the Rich Brooks era where we, you know, were seven wins every year going to a bowl game, going to a bowl game that we can win. The tailgate was fantastic. You know, to me, the the basketball is about the basketball game. The football is about the all-day experience that's going to happen throughout the day. I mean, you go, you know, four hours early. You yep. set up everything. You got the satellite TV hooked up, and you're watching all the other football games, and you're hanging out with your buddies. You go in the football game, and you want to see a good – just a good football game. You want to be competitive, you know, Uh you hope that Kentucky pulls out those wins and all that kind of stuff. And I, I'd love to be – I guess where I'd like to see him be is just have every four or five years have a chance at that 10-win season. It's kind of what I'd like to see. That's And I think that's realistic. And I, and I think if you want more than that, you're, you're, not, you're not at the right school. Because <laughs> I don't know if we're going to – I don't know if you can expect that every year. Right. You know, I, did, I, thought, I thought Auburn was the luckiest team in the nation this year. I mean, they should have lost to Georgia. Oh, yeah, they, they pulled sh- out so many miracle yeah, they, wins. They should have lost to Georgia. They should have lost to Alabama and went to the – and um, and shoot, they won, the, they won the national championship in the first half. I mean, they killed them. Yeah. And then just – I don't know what happened in the second half. Florida, Florida State showed up. But, I mean, that that wasn't even realistic for Auburn to, to, to even be there. So, well, especially and, when they come off the season that they had last year. I mean, they were terrible. Well, wait, the they were two and ten, so maybe yeah. Kentucky. Will, that's right. That's right. That's we're going to national championship. Maybe because Missouri was in the same boat. <laughs> so we, just, I just want to get the SEC championship game. But uh, the two and ten to national championship game is pretty impressive about about Auburn. Of course, Auburn is an Under Armour school, and um, and I'm Under Armour is near and dear to my heart as it since they sponsored the Derby Classic. But um, Under Armour made another big splash in college football this year or th- this week. And not just college football, but the whole college athletics across the board, and took what I would consider to be one of the uh, top Adidas programs away from Adidas, and they signed Notre Dame to the most lucrative uh, sports marching contract or apparel contract of all time, 
no specifics on how valuable that contract is. Notre Dame won't release it, and they don't have to because they're a private school. But a 10-year contract for something like that is just unheard of. And um, Notre Dame going with Under Armour, is, that's a huge get for Under Armour, which now joins you know Auburn, Maryland, uh, some other school, Boston College. Uh, Navy also signed on in the last week. That's it's just huge for Under Armour. I can't even tell you how, and it's huge for my closet, by the way, because I have literally gotten rid of all my Nike and Adidas stuff. So I had no Notre Dame stuff that I could wear, and now I'm gonna have to make, I'm gonna have to sell more houses because I'm gonna have to buy just a ton of Notre Dame stuff. So that's awesome. Super excited. Well, I th- just since you brought that up, I think that's I mean, that's that is huge for for them for Under Armour. And do you think Adidas is dropping? I mean, it seems like it to me now, you know, I'm not going to, I'm biased. Okay. I'm, I'm totally biased, but I look at just where Under Armour has made their strides in the call in the grassroots basketball stuff. And they are, you know, I think they're at least equal with Adidas, if not past Adidas up in the basketball realm, their football stuff, their football gear, I think is second to nike and it's probably that's probably where under armor is probably the closest to nike and anything is that most you know under armor's got really good football stuff as far as the apparel goes I, it's awesome their their clothes and stuff like that their uniforms are fantastic and so the knock has always been their shoes but their shoes have come just a tremendous long way and i i think that they're that they're passing adidas up if they haven't already and they're definitely narrowing that ga- gap with nike now it's really tough to – Nike's got such a stronghold on college athletics and pro mm-hmm. athletics. It's hard to really completely narrow that gap. I just like the – I like the material. Yeah, it's, cr- and, it's great. And, and, you know, I wear Nike, and you love me for that. But <laughs> uh, it's – I like the – I like the – I just like the material. I've got some Under Armour stuff. Uh, you know, I, the material, it feels great. On, and the uh, shoes are, like you said, that are, are getting better for, for both. I mean, yeah. I've worn Under Armour and Nike and Adidas. I've had all that stuff throughout my... They're making some soccer news, too. I mean, they you know, they got the uh, Tottenham Hotspurs. They signed a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't know how good their soccer stuff is, but I would imagine it's the same. Their uniforms and stuff are pretty good. Well, the mater- I think the material in a lot of ways are, are very, is very similar all across the board. Right. I mean, you can call it the Nike Dry Fit or the Under Armour, you know, the long sleeves. I mean, the material is... is it's the wicking, right? Just like what I have on now, actually. But uh, it's it is it's great stuff, and I just uh, I'm really excited about it. I, and I think that I don't think they're done. So it's going to be real interesting to me. Adidas's contract with Coach Patino is up this year. Adidas's contract with Louisville is up next year. I have a feeling that Louisville's going to shop themselves and see what's uh, what's available because I, I you know. I, and I don't have any, this is my perspective. I have no, this is no insider knowledge, but I think Louisville might feel like they get a little shafted by Adidas. I mean, you look at all the success that Louisville's had over the last three, four years, and Adidas still doesn't like raise them up as kind of like one of their flagship programs. They stick with Michigan. And Michigan, they don't even make any bones about them. Adidas looks at Michigan as their top program. So schools like Notre Dame were kind of left on the back burner. Kansas on the back burner. Indiana's an Adidas school. Cincinnati, Louisville. And all of a sudden, these schools that are having pretty good success as well don't feel the same love that, you know, that they're giving a school like Michigan. 
and I, it will not. I, I won't be surprised if Louisville makes a change, and I definitely won't be surprised if that changes to Under Armour. I wouldn't be surprised if they take a look. I, I mean, why wouldn't you? If your contract's up, and you know, you can you can get that that home feel of of, of an up and coming, which I wouldn't even call Under Armour up and coming. No, they're They've established at this they're point. St- I mean, they are established, but I mean, you get take a look at them and, and find out. I would say I would. I don't know why anybody, when your contract's up, for, for something like that. You wouldn't go look. I mean, somebody may be beating down their door. I mean, Louisville. That's one something I was I was I've been thinking about. I mean, I think Tom Jurich does a great job with all of his programs. I mean, his soccer teams, men's soccer teams, very successful football teams, successful. You know, as a Kentucky fan, you know, at some sometimes I look at that, I'm just go, you know, he's I'm jealous sometimes of how of how great they are. Now, my Louisville fans, my friends that are. Louisville fans that are listening, I don't want to hear about that. But, <laughs> but that, I mean, he does a great job. I mean, so he wants, I'm sure he wants to make sure he's taking care of his, of his coaches that, you know, they may come in with, with new product for, you know, they always deck out their coaches and everything else. And I think they would love that. Well, the, the two things I took away from Jack Swarback and uh, who's the athletic director of Notre Dame and Under Armour's founder and CEO, Kevin Plank, they had a press conference and, Two things that I took away from that is Notre Dame really liked the fact that Under Armour and Notre Dame were going to be partners in the science of athletics and how it's moving forward. So Notre Dame felt like there was going to be this easy connection. And just knowing how well my relationship is with my Under Armour people, I think it's true that as the demands for the material as the sport changes, Notre Dame can go to Under Armour and say, hey, can we get a material that does this? Or can we... You know, we're having trouble with the offensive lineman, uh, with the defensive line getting a hold of the offensive lineman's shoulder pads up here. Is there something we can do there to make it more advantageous for our offensive lineman? And I, I think Under Armour will take all the suggestions from their schools, and they're going to go right to the lab, and they're going to look at it, and they're going to see if they can do it better. Because the one thing I know about Under Armour is they're not afraid to take risk, and they're not afraid to be on the cutting edge of whatever's out there. And sometimes it doesn't work out, and sometimes it does. But I think as a, as a university, you just don't want someone who's going to give you a barrel. You want somebody that you can actually give feedback to and say, hey, is there a way that we can do this? And that's uh, going to be pretty exciting. The other thing is that uh, Kevin Plank told this really cool story about how uh, the first college that they signed back in 96 or 97 was Georgia Tech, who's no longer an Under Armour school. That year, Under Armour made $110,000 in gross sales. That was it, $110,000 in gross sales. No, you know, now it's, you know, <laughs> who knows how much right. they make in gross sales. But he talked about that Georgia Tech, I guess, played Notre Dame, and he had to go, and he ended up, couldn't get, afford to get a hotel room in South Bend. If anyone's ever been to South Bend on a football weekend, hotel rooms are just astronomically high. And had to end up sleeping in the visitor te- visiting team's locker room oh. at Notre Dame because, you know, that's where they were. And now they're here, and he's signing this contract with Notre Dame. Wow. Which is the most lucrative in college sports. I thought that was just really, really cool. That's an amazing story. Yeah, I, and just shows you where Under Armour's come. And it started with a guy who had an idea in his mom's basement in college, and he came up with this wicking material, and then it's just exploded from there. So, um, I should have thought. Huh? I you, should've, you should have thought, thought that. I should have thought I was thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> just like your jump to conclusions, Matt. Right. From office space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. So, but uh, and then. One last thing about Under Armour, I gotta I gotta say kudos to uh, golfer Jordan Spieth who uh, who went head to head with Tiger Woods yesterday, and he's 
and uh, I'm, I'm not even sure what tournament it is. Tiger's first tournament of the year. Tiger just looked awful. Finished, he's after two days, one under. But Jordan is uh, is leading this tournament, even though he had to go head to head with Tiger. It's always been the kiss of death for a golfer to go head to head with Tiger. They always get so intimidated. Jordan Spieth didn't really care, and he just went out there and he's leading the tournament. So, uh, congrats to him as well. Hopefully, he can hold it out. And uh, he's, you know, young kid from Texas. He's probably what only like 22, 23 years old, 20 years old. So. Wow. Uh, going out there and looking like he could be the next big thing on the PGA uh, PGA Tour. But uh, Under Armour is definitely making a lot of headway. All right, so uh, college football signing day is coming up, just to kind of bring it back to college football. And then we'll take a, take a little break. February 5th, I really don't think Kentucky's going to get a whole lot of surprises. It seems like they just keep on adding guys. They just, they just got a commitment from an offensive lineman who decommitted from West Virginia and joined the class. Uh, I don't know what's going on with the Matt Elam situation. You know, the the kid from John Harden, who's right. down to Kentucky and Alabama. He went and saw, uh, he went and visited with Alabama, tweeted out pictures of him inside of uh, of Coach's uh, car and Coach's Mercedes. And hopefully Kentucky can hold on to him, which would be phenomenal awesome. because that's the position need that they really need uh, to get that big defensive tackle. Guy's like 6'6", 370. He's a monster, and he runs under a five, like a four point eight forty. So it's just, it's just unbelievable. What's the deal with the decommitting? I mean, I, I, I see that on the SEC network when I'm looking, and they're, and they're, what's the point of committing? There's so much decommitting going on. It happens all the time, and that's what, and that's what our Kentucky fans worried about. It's like we get the signing day, all these commitments that we have, you know, do they actually end up signing? Or do they end up signing somewhere else? It, and that's one thing that's in football, in the football world, it's just completely different than the basketball world. I mean, you do get decommits in basketball, but they're not nearly – I mean, it seems like everybody in football decommits. Yeah, it, it does. And it, it changes. I saw one about three weeks ago, and I was like, ooh, that's nice. We got this. And then I saw another one, and, it, and everybody that just committed to to wherever they were decommitted again. It's just like, what's that? And I think a lot of that, you know, some of it has to do with the coaching – carousel that happens and which i can understand that yeah and that's i do understand that but i also think in basketball you're making more of a decision when you got a team of you know 12 guys or 13 guys and you know who's there and you can kind of figure out who's coming back and you can kind of figure out where your opportunity lies it's a lot easier i guess to figure out where your opportunity is in basketball than it is in football i think so too and it is and they and they also for, in the rules of, of college and college football versus college basketball and when you can opt out, you know, you know, at Kentucky, you're getting a new recruiting class every year. Right. And that's, that, that's the nature of the, and some people hate Cal Perry for it, but he didn't create the rule. I think it's going to change though a little bit. Uh, and we can actually, let's go ahead and take our break. Uh, this is the break that we're going to take on purpose, unlike the last one. <laughs> and then we will uh, come back and we'll talk about, you know, where Cal's recruiting class, especially the next 2014 class where that's going because I got to interact with a couple of those guys this week so awesome. be a good way to talk about it. so we'll be right back on the weekend sports bus
You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Welcome back, sports fans. Mike Andapo here in studio with Carson Webb. 1450, the Sports Buzz is excited to be the official radio home of IU Southeast Athletics. Join Matt Dennison for the weekly Grenadier Sports Report every Monday night at 7, live at Tucker's American Favorites on State Street in New Albany for interviews with the school's coaches, athletes, including the men's basketball team and head coach Wiley Brown, 1450 WXVW. It's proud to be your leader in local sports. And, uh, of course, we have a local Southern Indiana coach with us, uh, Carson Webb. Uh, Carson, tell us a little bit about what's going on. You all had a huge season this year for Judsonville Soccer, right? We did. We had a good season. Uh, we ended up 15-4-1. and one. Uh, JV went uh, ten and one, which was great for us to uh, uh, get get our program. We've been developing and uh, our young our young talents, and and you know we haven't had a whole lot of success on the JV end. And uh, last I've been there for four years. This next year will be my year, and you know we've tried to develop those 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 younger kids, and you know we have a, a big team. It's 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 very uh, competitive and. You know, to, to I was really excited for the JV to get a lot of those wins, and you know that they need that success as well. I mean, they're they're kids, they're young kids, and to get that success was was made them very happy. And our our varsity was was competitive as always, um, very solid. We ended up coming in second in one of our tournaments that we went to. JV ended up winning their tournament, so nice. You know, it's fun, and we got a we got a really strong team coming back. We're we're gonna miss some seniors. Uh, that we lost, but we we're we're, we're going to reload as always and should awesome. be very good. So fantastic! Hopefully, we can live up to what I just said. <laughs> well, we're going to go to the uh, Oxford Four Lincoln Buzz Line, and we've got the truth. Truth, what's going on, my man? What's up? I see you got the soccer coach on there. I tell yeah. you, yeah. Indiana's got a pretty good soccer program, don't they? Oh, oh, they got the best soccer team in the country. Why not? That's, yeah, that's the truth right there. <laughs> hey, uh, truth. While I was gone for the last two weeks, did you did you have a birthday? Yes, I did. I turned fifty years old. Well, happy birthday, happy truth. Birthday. I'm sorry I missed it. Yes, I. That's okay. The, my Hoosiers going. We talking about the Hoosiers. Uh, I I want to ask the the coach uh, uh, about his soccer team. Did y'all play in the big soccer tournament about the? Four months ago here in Evansville. Did you play in a soccer tournament in Evansville? In Evansville, uh, no, we weren't in Evansville. We went to we went to Bloomington for the Hoosier Cup, oh, which is well, a big tournament up there. Yes, uh, you know Evansville soccer uh, in here. They have a big soccer tournament now. They getting pretty uh, popular. They bringing people from all up Tennessee, Florida, and all that. And I just wondered, did you play in that? That'd be a good uh, experience for your uh, team. It would be, and Evansville is very, very competitive, and they are they are up there even now as far as uh, a lot of the the dominating Indianapolis schools at, at this point. So they we it's it's far for us to go, um, and that, but you know I will I'll definitely keep that in consideration because they do have uh, they do have good tournaments out there, very a lot of talent out there in Evansville as well. So I appreciate yeah, that trip. Well, I What'd you do for your birthday? What I do to my birthday? I yeah, said watch Indiana play, and and then cut my cake till they won, and I went out <laughs> to eat. 
I and uh and my wife took me out to a movie and I got a lot of gifts, a lot of right. ad used stuff. All right. That's nice. There you go. Hey, so, uh, but uh in, uh, Indiana's going to turn around. Don't y'all who's your fan? But I want to ask you a question. Did you see where five people in the state of Indiana got picked for the McDonald all of uh, all tryouts? Yeah, you know the McDonald's five. All American nominations had come out, and of course they had Trey Lyles and and uh, and uh, Trevon Blewett and James Blackman Jr. And uh, who else am I missing here? Truth. Uh, the two guys on the same team uh, was it uh, Matt uh, Robertson when yep. he won? Um, yeah, uh, I think he was. How many you think? How many you think will make it out of five? Well, I think Trey's going to make it for sure. Uh, I think he's hands down. I talked to his dad actually this just a couple days ago. Um, I, you know, I, I definitely think he, you know he's going to be a McDonald's All American. The interesting one to me is going to be Blackman. Uh, I think James Blackman's probably right on the edge. And could go either way, um, and it, that's the one that could you know they could have two or they could just have one. But James Blackman would be the one who's kind of on the cusp of uh, of making uh, that's it. Just, so I, I I feel that too, and um, I'm telling you, your wild you your Wildcats love got stole one of our players. We're gonna make you pay for it. New Trey Lyles. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I just want them to play again, Truth. I just want to see that that game come back. You know, I just want to. It's not the same not playing Indiana. Uh, you know, that's one of my favorite is, games ever here. Uh, you know, it's sad that you know North Carolina and Duke still play, and but I'm glad they. Uh, uh, I just wrote that on account on uh, December the ninth of this year. Indiana, Kentucky, uh, uh, Louisville, Indiana uh, series going to start back up. Hey, you know what? I'm going to leave you all with this. I didn't know uh, Louisville going to play Notre Dame this year in football. Up in Notre Dame. Up in South Bend. Who are you cheering for in that one, Truth? Notre Dame. Notre Dame going to spank their butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I thought Indiana played really well against Michigan State, even though they lost. And uh, they're hopefully coming around a little bit. And look for your Hoosiers to pick up one more recruit for the 2014 recruiting class. They're gonna, they're, they've got their eyes set on these on a couple big men uh, that I got to see play last weekend in Springfield, Massachusetts. And um, I, it, I don't think it's gonna be too long before they make an offer to one of these two big guys to kind of fill the void that Luke Fisher left. Well, okay, we we got we got a two uh, we got two scholarship offers. Yeah, I think you're going to probably end up with just getting one more guy. And they, and they could go JUCO for the other route, but there's probably one uh, high school big man that they that they could take a chance on. And um, you know we, you know we saving a scholarship for Jaquan Lyles depends on what he's going to do. I, you know what? I think it's at he's it's pretty much done. I, he is not Indiana is really not even recruiting him anymore. So I don't oh, think I that's. I don't think that's really a possibility from talking. I got to talk to Jaquan last week, um, and I got to talk to Jeff Rabjohns, the Rivals guy for Indiana, who's always in the know with Indiana stuff. And it looks like Jaquan is not really uh, considering Indiana, and Indiana is not recruiting uh, Jaquan anymore. So I don't think that's going to happen. There's a, there's a Lithuanian kid from Oak Hill Academy who's a, a 6'9", just really strong uh, kid. He's, he's a project. Uh, Rokas Gistus is his name. That's the kid that I would be uh, 
watching pretty close. And then they had a, um, a soccer player. He's a what? He a soccer very player. well could have been a soccer player, but <laughs> a six-nine uh, soccer player that. And then a guy from uh, Worcester Academy, Massachusetts, Matt Semino, who's kind of making a name for himself, big time. I think he's probably more polished, more ready to step in. Uh, those are the two big guys that I think Indiana's after right we now. We don't need no more. We don't need no pride to guy. We got to. Uh, Problem Jerkins is, there's, is one of, there's no big guys out there right now. It ain't. No. We might have to go through the JUCO. Well, I'm going to let y'all go. Y'all have a blessed week, and I'll holler at y'all next week. Bye-bye. All right, Truth. Have Take care. Good. See you, Truth. Yeah, the basketball recruiting side, you know, things are just – it's a very strange year in basketball recruiting. They usually uh, – they usually we have more um, uncommitted kids right now, but we really only have three big-name uncommitted kids. Uh, Miles Turner, who is a big guy, but he's going to stick around the Big 12 area uh, more than likely. Uh, Rashad Vaughn, who's at Finley Prep, who uh, uh, is a guy that Kentucky's kind of recruiting right now, but it, it's they've got kind of a long shot to get him. I, he's probably going to stay more in the Midwest. He's from Minnesota. I could see him going to Iowa State, and Iowa State is making just a huge splash in the basketball scene. They right are. Now. Fred Hoiberg is doing an unbelievable job there. Um, and then the last one is Jaquan Lyle, and you know I don't think Jaquan really has narrowed down really far, but you know, those all three of those guys are top twenty-five players. Jaquan is, uh, you know, at one time was committed to Louisville, uh, decommitted. Um, not really sure what happened there. I know when he committed to Louisville, there was a lot of scrutiny, especially in the state of Indiana, that a lot of people were not happy about him committing to Louisville. And at this point, I'm just not really sure where he ends up. It could be Kansas. That could be a, a possibility. Um, it could be, uh, I think Oklahoma state is coming on really strong right now. I, I would not be surprised if Jaquan Lyle ends up at Oklahoma state. Uh, but IU is kind of really out of the mix at this point. It, they, he could have been at Memphis. So that's probably his best, uh, the best chances there. So, uh, but as a Kentucky fan, you probably want to know about the Kentucky recruits. Well, Trey Lyles is, he's, he's a big guy for he's a six ten power forward. I mean, He's a real big guy. Uh, and he can shoot. He's our, you know, Truth was talking about project guys. I don't think he would be a project guy. Uh, oh, well, no, no. He wasn't talking about Trey Lyles being a project guy. I think he was talking about the two IU guys, guys that I was looking at. Well, right, right. At. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, I don't think – I'm looking at Kentucky's recruits. I don't think there, there's Trey, a lot of project guys that, that are coming in. But, you know, you don't know what you're going to get until they get on the – until they get in the, in the mix, find out where they are. And Kentucky's yeah. got two guys that will be McDonald's All-Americans for sure. Carl Towns and Trey Lyles. The other two guys are probably a little bit more on the cusp. Um, Tyler Eulis out of uh, Chicago Heights and Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say Devin Booker is probably the, the biggest long shot to make the McDonald's game um, out of that four, out of that group of four. Mm-hmm. Carl is a kid that I've gotten to know over the last two weeks. It's It's been really a whole lot of fun. My last two weekends away, uh, both weekends were spent really traveling to go see Carl Towns. And then last week I got to see Shaquan Aaron, uh, who's going to Louisville out of Seattle for the first time, which was which was great as well. And um, Carl, I mean, I'll tell you what, just talking about an impressive kid, just really well-spoken. You actually look at him and he almost looks a little bit like a young Muhammad Ali. <laughs> and he's got the same kind of charisma as, oh, yeah, you know, just a really personable kid, easy to talk to, you know, you want to be around him. A 4.0 student at a very highly competitive Catholic school in New Jersey, all boys Catholic school, 
you know, so the equivalent of him going to a Saints fraternity here, and he's a 4.0 student. That's phenomenal. Um, it just a, a kid that really gets it. You know, that it's not just all about basketball and getting to the NBA. You know, he wants to. He wants to get. And now, don't get me wrong; he's not going to stay four years. Right. He could stay too, but this is a kid who's you know understands the value of education and uh, wants to go. Is not in a hurry to go to the NBA after one year. Wants to go to the NBA when he's ready. Um, I wish more people had that mindset, I, and I respect that. I mean, six eleven, two thirty five, big guy, yeah, center. I mean, it, but to have guys like that who are who who do understand that, I think there's a. I think that uh, you can tell me better than than I than I would know being being in the the basketball that you're involved in and, and the recruiting and does have you seen that with these guys that are well spoken, like you said, you know, guys like. Guys like Carl Towns Jr. who 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 does get it. Do they? Do you see or have you seen that they get that they do much better on the basketball floor because of that? When they well, just being smart. I think you know John Wooden always talked about you're not just a success in basketball. You gotta try to be successful in everything you do. To be truly great, you gotta try to be great in everything you do. And I think that as from you know how they progress. A lot of that times is is what you'll see is, uh, you know, kids come from different situations. Obviously, you know, Carl's re- really lucky to come from a really great family. Both his parents are together, and, and a lot of these kids aren't that lucky. Right. And a lot of them come from a situation where they the family really needs the money. You know, so there's a lot more sense of urgency, I guess. But also, uh, just because of the circumstances they come from, there's still a lot of kids that. It really comes down to that just it factor, you know, of wanting to try to be great and everything, you know, trying to, to compete in everything you do. Like Carl, at at seven feet, competed in the three-point contest last weekend and competed in the dunk contest. Actually won the dunk contest. It was his first ever dunk contest and he won. Wow. In, the, in the three-point contest, he just missed by one, by one shot um, getting into the three-point contest finals. So he just, you know, you want to compete at everything. You want to try to be great at everything. And just that drive instead of just relying on your natural natural skill. So um, I think it does make a difference. I mean, I, uh, you know, obviously God didn't bless everybody with the same uh, academic prowess, if you will. If you, will. you know, I don't know if every kid out there is capable of being a 4.0 student. But right. just being the best that you can be is really important. Right. So, and there's a lot of aspects. It's not just, you know, being a 4.0 student. Um, Sherman was a three point eight or three point nine at Stanford. Well, we'll I mean, about him later. I mean, yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> but you know, it's not just getting it as far as as far as in the classroom, but just just having that down to earth. You know, I, I agree with you, of course. I mean, it, just having that down to earth people skills. Yeah, and 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 the camaraderie that you're going to get in the in the with your teammates and, and the love that you have, the passion. I mean, he's got use of the drive. That's what I was thinking, the drive for the game and, and wanting to do better and wanting to be better. And that's got to trans that that's got to go into the locker room and, and, you know, you, you surround and rally behind a guy like that. I mean, that's a, that's a guy that Kentucky, I think will rally around. We're up against a hard break, but I want to just make this point before we get to the 10 o'clock hour. The best thing Carl Towns ever did was not play for the U S national team like the 17 and under team, he went and played for the Dominican actual Olympic team and he had to go play with pros. So Al Horford and Francisco Garcia and and all those guys that are on that Dominican national team, you know, at that point, none of those guys are going to baby him. You know, he had to get some humility. He had to get humble and he had to learn how to 
learn how to be a pro from those those pros. So it was really good, I think, experience for him to do that. 10 o'clock hour, we're done with one hour. We're going to come right back. We're going to talk a little Super Bowl. We'll be right back on the Weekend Sports Buzz. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Welcome back, sports fans. Mike Indafo in at the RE Solutions Studio with uh, Carson Webb. And uh, we, we were talking there at the end a little bit about, you know, what makes these players great. And, and of course, uh, Sherman's name came up. So I guess we're going to jump our talk. Uh, into the NFL. Did you get a chance to watch the two uh, championship games last weekend? I did. I watched them both, and and it, I know you're you're in recruiting uh, status mode. So I was I was watching the games, and it, it was terrible. I sat on the couch and and watched football. Well, I mean, uh, I got you know. Obviously, I know a little bit about what happened. Uh, let's let's talk about the AFC first. Okay. So we had the Patriots and the and the Broncos in Denver. Uh, obviously, a tough place to play. Peyton Manning continues to just – I mean, the guy is older than – he's my age or older. I think he's actually a little bit older than I am. So he's 37, 38 years old. Right. And he just is getting it done at such a high level. And the, he really can't throw the long ball anymore. I mean, it's more about how just cerebrally he can pass inside that 20 yard, in 20 yards and in and just pick you apart. Yeah, and, and he does, but part of – Part of the complaint I've heard over over a while, you know, people get into, you know, is, is Peyton Manning or Tom Brady better than Joe Montana, and you get into all that all that talk, and you know, t- the game has changed as well since we were in high school. Or, yeah, it's it's it used to be you throw to Jerry Rice, and and it was he would catch it and 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 get tackled right away. Now it's all about the yak. Yeah. It's all about yards after the catch, and the receivers are expected to do it all. So, I mean, I, I don't know if it's as much Peyton Manning or is, or is he's letting his receivers do the work, and, and which that's the game now. I mean, But he doesn't have, like, incredible receivers. He's got agile. Yeah. Receivers. I mean, he's, he's got Jacob Tammy. Yeah, he does have Jacob Tammy. He <laughs> did catch a touchdown. Caught a touchdown that game. You know, three Kentucky Wildcats mm-hmm. on that Denver Broncos team. Uh, which is and uh, does Elvis Dumerville still play for him, or is he? I think he does. Yeah, I, I'm not, I don't know. So we're now. I heard his name when during the game, but you know, Danny Trevathan and Wesley Woodyard. Wesley Woodyard, they both play. Yeah, uh, so big roles. Done, yeah, big roles. In yeah, the middle and and Jacob Tammy, uh, you know, catching a pass in the AFC Championship game. I gotta admit that probably makes me a little bit of a Broncos fan. But the other yeah. reason why I'm probably gonna be cheering for the Broncos in the Super Bowl. It's because I am a huge San Francisco 49ers fan. And obviously, I never going to cheer for Seattle. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, that's actually my team. I got to go to the Super Bowl when the uh, 49ers beat the Chargers in, in Miami. They destroyed them. Got to see Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice is one of my all-time favorite oh, athletes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. And you, we talk about what we talked about last segment. His work ethic mm-hmm. is just, I mean, it's legendary. And, um, yeah, I just – I. I I will be cheering, I think, for those Kentucky Wildcats uh, that will be in the Super Bowl, because um, I just could never bring myself to cheer yeah. for the for the. Well, I was hoping that, I was wanting the 49ers to win as well. They had it, from what 
you know, I was following it on my phone, and it's actually kind of funny because Carl Towns' dad is a huge 49ers fan too. So we were like, <laughs> you're like, both kind of watching the game, giving and... each other updates. And the <laughs> little, only the the only play that him and I got to see live as the games were finishing up uh, that night um, was the very last play where Ka- when Kaepernick throws the interception mm-hmm. and Sherman tips it, yep. and, and uh, you know to seal the victory. I just, uh, you know, heartbreaking because I, I wanted them to get back there big time. So, uh, but back to those, the Broncos, uh, Broncos had the best, most prolific offense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it shows, and I actually feel like when you, you consider how much older Manning is than Brady. And I think Brady's kind of, kind of on his way out. It seems like he's, he doesn't have the buzz anymore as far as, you know, people are – he's not he's not in that conversation of one of the one of the one of the greats as far as um, – He's not the guy – As much as Peyton Manning is, I mean. I mean, he, he's, he's not a bad quarterback by any, by any means. I'm not saying that. And, and you know, he's – I don't know if he's uh, – I don't know if he's if he's on his way out or not, but he doesn't – he doesn't – seem to have as much as the buzz as Peyton Manning and, you know, Kaepernick's even getting a lot of love and Drew Brees. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I wouldn't put him, um, as one of the top three quarterbacks I would want for to start a franchise at this point. And, uh, Elvis Dumerville actually now is with the Baltimore Ravens. So he's not no longer with the Broncos. Oh, okay. So just had to check that out real quick. Um, uh, you know, I, I, it's pretty impressive, I guess, from the standpoint that the Patriots were so successful this year, and he started the year out with basically no one, um, none of his top receivers that he had the year before, and uh, and they still managed to get there. I th- I don't know how strong their division was, you know, the Dolphins, the Jets, nothing really to write home about there, and uh, you know, but they they were able to get it done. He was able to get it done in the playoffs, and. Uh, until they went up against the best, the best offense in football, and uh, the Broncos won out. So um, I don't think it was a big surprise to anybody. I think if the game's in New England, you know, they could have been a little bit different. Right. But playing in Denver, uh, you know, Peyton going back to the Super Bowl. Now, if Peyton wins the Super Bowl with two different teams, uh, I don't, I don't know. I can't think of the last person that's done that. Two different teams. I don't know off the top of my head. To win a Super Bowl with two different teams, I'm not even. I'm sure that's happened, but uh, we'll have to check that out. Yeah, we'll check it out. But he still he still gets a lot of. Uh, there's still a lot of Peyton Manning haters out there, and I and I don't see why. I mean he 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 does a he does a great job with this with his on the ball. I, I saw some some funny jokes about the Omaha thing when he was <laughs> the, the press conference. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. I thought it was hilarious when he said. Uh, could be a run play. Yeah, it could be I mean, a pass play. It's, it's a run play, but no. <laughs> or a pass play. Might be play action. Uh, he is. He's hilarious. I, mean, I think he's funny too. I think like him on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, where he's phenomenal when he the couple times he's done Saturday Night Live, and I just, I he's such a great just you know What's personal guy, and you know he obviously does this really nice stuff for the Children's Hospital up in Indianapolis, and uh, you know like the guy just. He embraces the moment, I guess, you know? Right. Well, my wife was even talking about it the other day, and she said uh, she was real impressed that, that when he went to 
Indianapolis, they gave him a standing ovation. I mean, they love him. They miss him. Well, I'm sure they do. I mean, even though they have a guy. Andrew Luck, I mean, he's doing fine. Yeah, he's doing great. Um, but, okay, so Kurt Warner has started a Super Bowl for the Rams and for the Cardinals. But that's the only – and then Craig Morton, uh, but you know, that was a long time ago, Super right. Bowl five and Super Bowl twelve, for the Cowboys and the Broncos. That's the only three quarterbacks that have started a Super Bowl for multiple teams. Mm-hmm. And obviously – uh, no one has won a Super Bowl with multiple teams. So Peyton can make history. Kind of ironic, Eli won his last Super Bowl in Indianapolis, and Peyton could win his in, you know, where the where Eli plays in New York, New Jersey. Right. So, um, Peyton, though, just I, – I think what's impressive about me is he understands his limitations, and he doesn't try to play outside of himself. He does what he's capable of doing, and he does it as well as anyone out there. And that's that's very important in sports or, or life in general. I mean, if knowing your limitations and what you can and cannot do, and not to not to push those, you know, you're you're that's a recipe for success. If you if you follow, you know, what you what you can or cannot do, and and you know you don't do what you can't do, and yeah, it, but I, I'm, what I'm impresses me, and I've said this for a long time, never on the air, but and I'm sure it's been said a million times. I'm not the first one, but. Peyton Manning is the best at reading defenses. I mean, it, it's he his his is the way he makes his the call on his on his feet. You know, I don't even know if they even, I don't know why they have an offensive coordinator. Well, it always seems to me like when the guys when quarterbacks get drafted, they either get drafted on uh, on athletic ability, or they get drafted on because of their <laughs> of their excuse me of how heady they can play the position. And the guys who are usually the headiest are the ones who do the best. The guys who are the best athletes are the ones who get drafted the highest. So you get like Russell, Jamarcus Jamarcus Russell from LSU who got drafted by the Raiders, you know, doesn't do anything. Right. And and let's even go to the Peyton Manning year. Peyton got drafted first, but Ryan Leaf was right there. Ryan Leaf, incredible athlete, 10-cent head. Peyton was the perfect combination. I don't know. You know, we've had Peyton be the perfect combination. Tom Brady's really not a great athlete, right? But he's a really heady quarterback. Andrew Luck's probably the best combination of athlete slash quarterback we've had since Peyton Manning. Russell Wilson might be in that conversation as well too, although he's kind of come out of nowhere. Then you know, I'm I'm wondering if you know Teddy Bridgewater fits that mold. Oh, he does. I think he's. I love Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a. I, I think he's a. I think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. I mean, he's, he's agile. He, he's quick. I mean, anymore, there's been a trend for, for getting out of pocket passers to a scrambling quarterback, but, but he throws really well on, on, on his feet. Well, you you know, on the run, I mean, right. And you just, you know, brought up, uh, I guess the, the stuff that, that Peyton does well, as far as reading a defense and how well he studies the other team. And to me, everything I've seen from Teddy, he's right there along that mm-hmm. side. And I think if Teddy can go to a team that has a def- decent offensive line, and some decent pieces around him, you know, like the Houston Texans that, you know, I don't think are that far off. Mm-hmm. Um, he can have a very long and successful career. I hate, I would hate for him to see, I would hate for what happened to Tim Couch. I, guess, I was thinking the exact same thing. I mean, when Tim Couch, you know, there was, I remember back in that, that time period uh, with 97, 98. Yep. And I think Peyton went a year before Tim Couch and Tim Couch went in. Went to the Browns, 
uh, it was a it was a franchise who was a um um they were, it was their first year. What, first year, what, what yeah. You call it? Expansion their, team. Expansion team, yes, thank you. And their offensive line was terrible. Right. And he didn't pan out. And then there was controversy. Was, you know, was Tim Couch not good enough? Was he – It took him to the playoffs. Yeah, but they were – they were boot, I remember they booed him off the off the field many times. They never really got the chance to really show no. what he could do. Because, I mean, when you don't have an offensive line of pro football you're, you're you're running for your life right and then he ended up getting some shoulder problems because of it right and whatever else and, well, and that's that's what I, I alluding back to your point you know i think that's i i wish the best for for teddy bridgewater i hope he goes to a team that that he can have a chance to have some success uh if not you know i, I would hate to see what what could you know something that would like you said happen to tim couch and and kind of never live up to how good you were in college and and i think he's got all the attributes to be a really successful and long-term pro quarterback. I yeah, know. you're not. You're just not the you know great athlete. You know, you've also got that student of the game kind of thing going on with you as well. And it's just, um, I just, I really feel like it's it's poised for him to to make a huge run. And and it's kind of like very similar, I think, to what Andrew Luck went through uh, just a little while, you know, a couple years ago. He got very fortunate that the Colts were terrible that year because Peyton was hurt. <laughs> Yeah. So he went to a team that had a pretty good surrounding cast, at least a serviceable one, so he could go in there and perform and not have to be worried. Same kind of thing that could happen here. I'm not sure. I'm checking right now, but I believe the Texans do have the first pick. Uh, just kind of going through this. And I know the Browns, who just hired a brand-new head coach, is very, is very interested in trying to trade up to get a top name quarterback, mm-hmm. yes, the Texans do have the first pick. Yeah, so <clears throat> the Texans have a first pick, and they all, and they need a quarterback. I mean, perfect mold, perfect mold. You know, and they've got a, a traditionally a pretty good defense. Andre Johnson's there. They mm-hmm. they've got pieces around them that they can where Teddy can step in, and they can become a playoff team right away with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, and they're and they're projecting that Teddy's going to go first <coughs> for him. Uh, you know, to the Texans. That was the first. I saw that that released a few weeks ago. I think he was, he for many people, it's expected to be that first round draft pick. I would and, think so. And and I yeah, that's like you said, that's that is just a perfect mold and for him to to go and be successful there. And I, and, and he's close. Yeah. I mean, Louisville fans would, would travel to see him. They love him. And I don't. I mean, I'm a Kentucky fan. I love him. I mean, he's great. Well, if, uh, I, and again, I'm I'm not like the most up to guy snuff guy in the NFL, but. You know, Houston will come to play in Tennessee. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think Houston, actually Houston and Indianapolis are in the same division, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, he would be able to play a lot of close games and we're loyal fans to go support him. The next two, the next three teams, actually the next four teams, if Teddy did not go first, St. Louis has already got Stan Bradford, so I don't, can't see them taking another quarterback, although Stan Bradford's been hurt a lot. Jacksonville, which would be a kiss of death. Cleveland, which I would think would be a kiss of death, and Oakland, which would be, I would think, a kiss of death. <laughs> so, yeah. really, that Houston team is the one that makes the most sense for Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, and hopefully that works out because uh, I think he could be successful there. I think they could be a playoff team, and uh, they could they could move on. We're gonna take our first break of the second hour, and we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about the 49ers Seahawks game. Get into Richard Sherman a little bit. Uh, I'm Mike Indolfo, joined with Carson Webb. This is the Weekend Sports Bus.
You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, welcome back, sports fans. We are uh, live here at the Art Solutions Studios, uh, enjoying the snowy day, talking a little sports with my man Carson Webb. And I uh, just want to remind everybody to uh, every Thursday night, join Matt Dennison at 7 p.m. for the high school sports report presented by Zaxby's. Matt will be broadcast live from Zaxby's in Southern Indiana, bring you interviews with coaches and players from all your favorite local high school teams. 1450 WXVW is your leader in local high school sports. We have to get Dennison to have you on there at Zaxby's. Might as well because it's right across the street from the high school and, and we love that place. We <laughs> delicious food over there at Zaxby's. Eating well. some Zaxby's. So, Good stuff. Uh, before we go on to the NFC Championship game stuff, i got to wish a happy birthday to Bellman head basketball coach Scotty Davenport. They're on the road today playing Lewis in, uh, up near Chicago, and hopefully they get a win. They're in desperate need of a win. They have had a, uh, a little bit of a tough stretch here lately. Uh, Bellman was ranked number two in the country, and they have lost uh, three out of their last four games. Wow. So, against good teams, but... Uh, you know, they had a, just a mess the other day up in Wisconsin Parkside. They had a hit-and-run accident on I their bus. S- I and saw that. Uh, luckily, no injuries were reported. No injuries, right. That, but that's that's very scary and dangerous. For, and, you know. So they got to go. Uh, they lost to Southern Indiana, and now they got to go play a, a Lewis team who beat Southern Indiana by 10 points just the other day. So uh, hopefully the Knights can pull out a win for Coach Davenport on his birthday. But happy birthday to you, Coach, and I hope you have a good one. So I know he's listening up in Lewis. He's got the uh, mobile app going or streaming us online. He does. So, uh, anyway, all right, so on to the NFC Championship game. So like I said, uh, fair warning, I am a 49ers fan. At this, uh, But I only got to see, like I said, the very last play. I was following it on my phone kind of while I was watching some high school basketball and felt good about it. They come out of the gate, the, the Seahawks fumble, and the 49ers are able to turn that into points. You know, I was hoping that they could – put in the end zone but they get a field goal uh they they get up 10 nothing and uh you know i'm really feeling like okay it's kind of comfortable but they're not they're just not pulling away seattle obviously has an amazing defense seattle gets a field goal late in the second quarter um so holding them to no touchdowns in the first half as a 49ers fan i'm thinking yeah this is looking really good but then they come out of the gate and uh the seahawks score 10 points in the third uh, beast mode with the with the touchdown run and they got another field goal. 49ers did get a touchdown. We're still in good shape. After three quarters, four uh, it's 17 to 13, and a little worried, but still feeling pretty confident. Then you know I just I don't know I, I just I could tell the fourth quarter that they just didn't weren't weren't sync offensively. It didn't seem like that you know they were having struggle. They're starting to struggle to move the ball. The the Seahawks get that touchdown early in the fourth quarter to take the lead. Never gave it up after that. The field goal kind of sealed it, especially uh, meaning that Kaepernick had to come down mm-hmm. and score a touchdown. Now, not just need a field goal to tie. They had to score a touchdown right. to, to win. Uh, big moment for Kaepernick to try to go out and make something happen. He did the one thing you can't do in, on that pass. You can you either got to throw it long right. or you got to throw it where your guy can catch it. There right. cannot be deflected. And, uh, you know, it was Sherman made a great play and deflects it to the, the linebacker who comes up with the interception and the rest is history right. until 
Aaron Andrews gets the interview of a lifetime. Oh my lord! <laughs> I, I thought it was. I thought the funniest part was at the end. She was, well, Joe, back to you. Yeah, she didn't she know what to say. She I think she had say. more questions, and I think she just bailed. She's like, I'm not talking to this guy. So, he, what was your? Did you get to see that live? I did. I watched. The, I watched the whole game, and and you know, and, and all right. Look, I'm not going to defend Sherman for what he said, but I will defend the fact that you're going to be pumped up right after a game you know you reporters love that you know right. seconds after the game's over you know you're hyped up you just made a great play for your team you just you just probably helped your team uh put that team away and, and it was on your fingertips and that was you know he's pumped i get that but then i look up you know i, I see it and, and what he said i mean you know there's no reason to to blast a guy like that, you know, Crabtree, and the way he was saying that, and you know, trash talking goes on. I get all that, but then you, then I looked up, you know, what he's done. I mean, not the first time. I mean, he does it all the time. So it's not like it was one of those situations with Sherman where he was, you know, he was pumped up at that one time. Even though I get that in sports, but it wasn't a one-time thing. I mean, this guy's been doing it. I mean, I think he is. I think he revels in. It. I think he loves it. I think he loves the the, the trash talking. He got into it with Skip Bayless. He got. He he got punched by a Redskins player after the game, um, after trash talking the whole time. I mean, he's he's being known. I I I think he's he's being known for his trash talking more than he is his play at this point. But isn't it's kind of like, in some regards, if the guy the guy went to Stanford as a wide receiver, mm-hmm. and wide receivers are known for being these prima donnas, especially yeah. in the NFL, with Terrell Owens and Chad Ochocinco, and yeah. uh, even to some degree a guy like Keyshawn Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or going back a little ways to uh, what was it, uh, Irvin at, at for Dallas. Yeah. The NFL Randy kind of Moss. Randy Moss, yeah. yeah. The NFL is known for having these guys who kind of spout off a little bit, right? And I, you're exactly right. I mean, you, you expect the the game's over. All these reporters rush the field, hoping to get to uh, a chance to capture one of these guys at the emotional high that they're going through with all the adrenaline going through all the emotion, especially the way that game ended. And that's what they, they want to capture that, but then they blast them when they do catch for the, yeah. capture that. Yeah. It's this total like catch 22. That's what right. they want to get. But then it's, and they want to get it because they want to show that raw emotion of the moment. Right. right? Because right. that's really what everybody watches TV for just to uh-huh. have that kind of sports really just for that raw because you can't, you can't write these sports stories sometimes. And so they want this raw emotion moment. And when they get it, they blast the guy. Yeah. And, you know, if you and I are going back and forth and trash talking the entire time, and then, you know, one of us makes a play to kind of shut the one uh, other one down and end their season and we're moving on to the Super Bowl, you know, more than likely, most I think most guys are going to, you know, want to kind of tell you. And, of course, and so then there's the comment. I was driving in the car to the show and I was listening to another radio show and the guy was comparing, and I don't think this is even a fair comparison, but comparison of Sherman acting the way he did to the way Jeter acted in the 96 world series and saying he, you know, acted like he was there before and when he hadn't been there before, but football adrenaline and baseball adrenaline to me are completely different things. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's really easy to say act like you've been there before or that he should act like he's been right. there before. I don't know. I just don't feel like we know the complete and total circumstances. And I know Crabtree can go out there and run his mouth with the best of them too. I'm sure. Yeah. A, which 
fine. But, you know, I, I guess the, the trouble I have with it is, you know, I'm going back to teacher mode because I'm a teacher as well. And, you know, the kids look up to these guys. Right. And the kids not only look up to, to athletes, but, you know, kids love that. Sher- they think Sherman's funny. They think he's awesome. They want to be like him. And it's like, that's not, you know, as, you know, coaches, yeah, as a coach, like you don't that. want your you kid acting know, like that. You don't want that. Yeah. You don't want your kids looking up to, to guys like that. And, you know, he, he runs his mouth. Sherman does. And, uh, all the time. And, and, and like, as you and I talked earlier, I think he's, I think it's going to take away from some of the Super Bowl because there's going to be, you know, there's going to be so much media on what Sherman doing and taking away from the game. I mean, I don't, I want to watch, I want to watch a football game. <laughs> well, I, I think, and I'm, and I'm, I think I heard this right, and I don't have the numbers in front of me. I do know Sherman was fined like less than eight thousand dollars, yeah. seven thousand eight hundred seventy-five dollars. Yeah. So it was more for getting in Crabtree's face and doing the choke sign to Kaepernick than it was for his post-game post-game rant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so yeah, he gets this fine. He gets all this TV exposure. Mm-hmm. His brand, all of a sudden, like you just mentioned with these young people, has just totally been driven up. Mm-hmm. He picked up some crazy amount of Twitter followers. You know, <laughs> people just want to see what he's going, what right. he's going to say next. But I think his jersey sales, if I'm not mistaken, he's now the number one defensive player for jersey sales in the NFL, and he's in the top ten of overall jersey sales. Sounds like mission accomplished as far as what he's trying to do. I mean, what it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, you, it. I guess there's that whole thing. You know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Exactly right. I was thinking the same thing. There's. I just don't know where he's going with this as far as. I know he's a young guy. Now I, I get that. I mean, he's you know, he's 22, 23. Actually, second year in the NFL. He's probably twenty four. Maybe he's twenty five. Twenty five. Um, so, being where he's at, he's he's not that young, and you know he kind of he he should know better. But um, I really think he enjoys it. Well, I mean, so you know he's going to be the focus of a lot of the media attention this week as they get to the Super Bowl in New York, right. and he's going to be obviously a lot of interviews, a lot of things. He's gonna it's he's now put himself in a position where if he doesn't perform well. And Peyton picks him apart. He's going to be really scrutinized because then the moment took oh, yeah. took it, him totally out of this. So uh, I just I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes, what happens over this next week, mm-hmm. and it's going to be interesting overall just with the Super Bowl week in general. I mean. They're they're talking about obviously they're playing this the NFL is getting just blasted for playing this game up in New York, New Jersey in this mm-hmm. cold temperature and they could have this monster snowstorm right that hits this weekend. And how that's gonna affect the gameplay and all that kind of stuff. I right. I for one don't think the weather should be a factor in NFL, in a Super Bowl. They should have it in a controlled environment. Yeah, I uh, agree with that. Just because you want the you don't want the best cold weather team to put win. You want a true you want a true game. You want a true I game. I don't want to watch I don't want to watch them sliding all over the snow. Right. And it, it takes away from the game, and that that I don't want that to be a factor. I wish it was. I'm with you. I, I wish it was in a dome somewhere. But I'm not so sure the NFL is not getting exactly what they want, because the NFL is getting a guy, you know, getting this guy who's going to be the focus this week, mm-hmm. which is going to create eyeballs. Eyeballs are on the Super Bowl anywhere on Sunday, right? 
But the same thing kind of goes with this whole bad weather thing. And they're setting themselves up for, it's either going to be a train wreck, which people will watch because they want to watch a train wreck. People right. want to watch NASCAR for the crashes and hockey for the fights. Right. Or it's going to be, it's it's creating a, this unbelievable story kind of finish because you can say that, you know, 38-year-old Peyton Manning battling the snow and cold weather leads his team back with a – it's just setting the stage for what could be a, 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 just a remarkable story one way or the other. And you're right. gonna, you've got a better chance of getting either the train wreck or the unbelievable story. You right. Know? So, you know, I think the NFL is getting exactly what they want. It's not just Richard Sherman. Yeah. You know, the guy uh, – it's not like they're putting a muzzle on this guy. Oh, yeah. They're, like you said, any publicity is good. You know, you're getting all that. You're getting that pub, and and that's what you want. But I just, I'm just not sure the NFL needs it. What's that? I'm not sure the NFL needs any more publicity. It's a Super Bowl. It is a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, we are a basketball and do- a football dominated society in the United States. I mean, what what do you what more do you need? You know the storylines, though. I mean, they they want to create their own storylines, I guess, for the weekend. So uh, it's. It's going to be interesting to see overall. I, I expect that. I really feel like if, if the weather's not a factor. I hope it's not. I think the Broncos have got it. Now, obviously, if the snow comes, I think the Broncos probably have more of an advantage of being able to play in the snow. But the the Seahawks has got the much better running back with Marshawn Lynch. Mm-hmm. And I could see where that kind of is what takes over. And uh, Marshawn uh, then leads the Seahawks to a victory. And plus, you know, having Russell Wilson, you can – Move a little bit easier than Peyton. Right. You got the young, young up and coming superstar quarterback versus the old veteran quarterback. Right. It's just, it's just going to be really, really interesting to see what happens. And that, it'll be fun. And, and it'll, I, I'm going with the Broncos. You're going with the Broncos. I'm going with the Broncos. Going Rega- with the Cats. Regardless, yeah. And I'm, and I would, I would go with a veteran quarterback who's been there, who's done that, um, who is a, a a true natural and phenomenal leader. Right. And and he, I think I see him picking them apart. Well, and I, I do too. I mean, but you do have the number one offense with, with the Broncos against the number one defense. Right. And, you know, traditionally the defense is the one that win championships. Um, yeah, right. you would think. And uh, and that's what, uh, you know, and I think you probably, that's what made the NFC Championship game so entertaining. So you just had two just great defenses going mm-hmm. at it. And, uh, but there are a lot of coaches saying this Seahawks defense is just unstoppable, unbelievable. And, and, but when you have, probably the best offensive mind in, in pro football mm-hmm. in the last 20 years. And I don't think that's even debatable. I mean, I don't can't think of someone in the last 20 years who's a better offensive mind than Peyton Manning going against the number one defense. It's, it's going to create what should be just an unbelievable show. I think it, it will be so much fun to watch and I'm excited to see how it goes, but uh, let's not knock, let's not forget the, the Broncos defense as well. They're, they are very, they are very good. They, they, any defense that features two Kentucky Wildcats has got to be phenomenal. It's going to be. It's going to. They're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and they were they were playing at UK when 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 UK was having a lot of success. Yes. And um, but this their defense they they were it was fun to watch them because Woodyard was all over the place. Uh, Woodyard's probably one of my favorite defensive players at Kentucky mm-hmm. uh, of all time. Just he has a great nose for the ball. 
Trevathan's a great tackler, mm-hmm. and it's just uh, it's. I'm so excited for those guys. Tammy too. I mean, I, not only do you have three Kentucky Wildcats on on this team, but you have three Kentucky Wildcats that were generally, genuinely loved by the fan base. And, yeah, uh, it definitely makes it fun. And and they're and the Seahawks have a have a good Louisville guy. So you right. got a little UK U of L thing going on right yeah. there. So and sorry, truth, but there's no Indiana guys in Super Bowl. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, we're going to take our final break, and uh, we'll come back with our last segment. I'm Mike Andafo, Carson Webb here for the Weekend Sports Bus. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, sports fans, final segment of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Mike Doppel here with Jeffersonville soccer coach Carson Webb. 1450, the Sports Buzz brings you Western Kentucky Hilltopper Athletics presented by Thornton's. The action starts with the Toppers tip-off show 30 minutes before the tip-off of each game. Stop in your local Thornton's today. For an endless variety of refreshingly cold fountain drinks featuring our chewable nugget ice for only 89 cents. Uh, 1450, the Sports Buzz is your Louisville and Southern Indiana home for Hilltopper Athletics. This week, the uh, Hilltoppers play today. Pre-game at 3.30, game starts at 4. They are playing Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns. So hopefully uh, my buddies down there at Western Kentucky can pull off the win. Uh, and They keep on fighting for that. It looks like the number two position in that conference to uh, or the number two seed in that conference tournament georgia state is running away with it with the former kentucky guard ryan harrow at the helm and he's just really played well for him so uh, a couple just baseball nuggets real quick i know that uh, i love baseball a lot more than the listeners do but that's okay we guess i've come out we had some huge stories uh come up in baseball this year or this week the 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 Yankees signed this Japanese left-handed a right-handed pitcher Tanaka, Mashiaro Tanaka, who uh, signed never pitched a you know a single pitch in Major League Baseball. Seven years, one hundred fifty-five million dollars. <laughs> What's his name again? Masahiro Tanaka. I just wanted to hear you say it. No, that's fine. I understand. <laughs> Last year, he went twenty-four and zero and posted a one point two seven ERA, and supposedly this guy in the Japan's version of the World Series mm-hmm. threw 160 pitches in Game 6 and came back in Game 7 and pitched in relief. So there's, you know, this guy, he's being compa- his motion's being compared to Nolan Ryan's as far as just how effortless it, is, effortless it is and that he could be, you know, the next great Major League Baseball pitcher. But we have another Major League Baseball pitcher who I consider to be one of the all-time greats, especially because of his placement and just how his control over his pitches, who's going to the Hall of Fame this year. Greg Maddox announced this year that he, this week, that he's not going into the Hall of Fame as an Atlanta Brave, the team he won three Cy Youngs with. He's going to go with no logo on his plaque whatsoever because of his love and respect for both Atlanta and Chicago. Which, that's fine. Uh, he, He pitched... 2,526 innings for the Braves and 2,016 for the Cubs. I mean, the stint, I mean, we were talking about it before. He did have all his success with the Braves. I still see him as a Cub. 
Yeah. Uh, which is typical Cubs. You know, they go, they, they draft a guy. He, he gets, he won the Cy Young with, with, with Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. And then he goes, they, they let him go to the Braves where he has all the success. And then they bring him back when he's washed up and, which if you want to call him washed up, I don't think you can really do that, but uh, I, I don't have a problem with it. I, th- I respect him for, for having that respect for both, for both programs that, that took care of him for a long time. I think that's fine. I think he also had some kind of personal connection with Chicago. I think maybe him, his wife and him met in Chicago or that family started in Chicago. I think they said, I think they live in Chicago. Yeah. So I, I know that they're, that Chicago's very near and dear to his heart as is Atlanta, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, he's does he live in Chicago? I thought he was. Is he not having something to do? I know his brother has something to do with the Rangers organization, but I thought he did too for some reason. But maybe maybe just as a home wrong. there. I, I don't know. So, uh, but probably one of the greatest pitchers that I remember, especially when you think of the non-power pitchers. He's probably the greatest non-power pitcher yeah. I, I've ever seen. You still, I mean, look back at his day. You know, you you remember the Nolan Ryan's, you remember the Randy Johnsons, um, but Maddox was one of those that that. He's, he played for a long time. He went, came out in 1984, and I mean, how? I don't remember when he when he when he finally hung it up. But I mean, he, just, he was he was pitching for a long time, long time. And uh, part of those great brace staffs with Tom Glavin, who's also going to the Hall of Fame, and John Smoltz, and all those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, he took him to the playoffs ten times. Yes, I mean, it, unbelievable success for Maddox. You know, and that's back. The Braves were terrible before Maddox got mm-hmm. there. So. Um, you know, congratulations to him. The other Tony Larusa is also going to the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. um, he, and he is choosing choosing also not to go in as you know, not an athletic mm-hmm. or not a St. Louis Cardinal. Won World Series championships with both of them. Mm-hmm. He's going to just go in with no logo on his plaque as well. So uh, that's your baseball Hall of Fame update. There we go. Yeah, Reds Fest was Thursday night. If you got the chance to go out there, I did not. I was I had to go do some volunteer work at our church, and. Uh, I'm sure it was a great time. Reds stay, you know, fairly inactive. They didn't really make any kind of monster moves, and uh, we'll just have to kind of see how that goes for the Reds. Uh, but we are very close, just weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting, and baseball season will be here before you know it. But right now we're in college basketball season. That's right. College hoops today. We only got one local team in action besides the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Mm-hmm. We have the Kentucky Wildcats tipping it off here in about – Two two hours and forty five minutes against the uh, Georgia Bulldogs. One thirty uh, tip off. Uh, playing in Rupp, where uh, they are twelve and 0. 12 and zero this year. Cows only lost two games there in the last five years. Mm-hmm. A Georgia team that you know has uh, beat Missouri. Yeah, uh, they beat Arkansas. They beat Arkansas, but they've also been struggling very a whole lot. Well, they years. they got smashed by Florida, which I think Florida is one of the better teams. Florida is definitely a team that can win it all. I think I think so too. And they lost to Georgia Tech. That's not a bad – I mean, Georgia Tech's not a bad team. But, you know, they're 10-7 overall, 4-1 and one in the conference, um, Georgia is. And they're they're struggling. But um, like we talked about all day today with, with teams that are that – are that have a lot of success, there's a, there's a bullseye on their back. I mean, right. you're going to get – Kentucky's going to get most of the SEC teams', SEC teams best, best game. And I think that's – I think that's that's common, and that's and you know players have got to understand that. And we talked about the recruiting classes, and the, and when the kids start to get that, which Cal's talked a lot about, uh, how he wants his guys to, you know, to get it, you know, whatever it is at the time. He said that's changed, you know, from from team to team and from week to week on what's going on in the locker room that day and or that week. And 
What video was, game came out? Yeah, yeah. Which you've got all those young kids, nineteen years old, you know, trying to groom them to to bring it all. He's got a tough job. Oh, and, without a doubt. You know, this is a, they're in a situation right now where they need to hold status quo. They really only have one really high quality resume win for the NCAA tournament, and that's the win against Louisville. Mm-hmm. And they need to at least, I think, split with Florida. They need to get one out of two against Florida. Uh-huh. Uh, they need to be able to beat Missouri. And they're setting themselves up still to be a pretty decent seed in the NCAA tournament. These kind of games, they have to make sure they take care of business. You know? Yes. And I think we're starting to see, um, you know, I, I love what we're seeing out of Poitras right now. Uh-huh. I think his just his effort has increased. He's starting to really embrace his role. Um, Willie Colley Stein's been the guy that's been kind of in and out. You know, right. I, I, I still feel especially as of late in the beginning of the season. I, you know, he was blocking shots. He was doing well. I was like, well, good. He's we got a sophomore that that's gonna that's gonna kind of take the reins. You know, that I, I've given credit for a long time, and I'm sure you're gonna agree with this when when they won their national the national championship a couple of years ago, if they didn't have Darius Miller, they're not doing that. Right. They didn't have a senior on that team that's going to take care of them. They're not, they're not going to win. And I thought Colley Stein was doing that in the beginning. I mean, no, he's a sophomore, but, but that, you know, for, for what, you know, some leadership. Yeah, yeah. For what basketball is right now, you know, he's done. And I think Poitras has taken that role as of late. Um, I think Colley Stein dyed his hair. And I think that, that when, he bleached it, when he bleached it, I think it's, he, he was playing good though. When his hair was dyed, he was. And then, uh, uh, one of the Kentucky Wildcats seniors, though, Jared Polson, actually got his jersey retired last night at uh, just at West Jessamine High School. So oh, good uh, the whole team was there to watch him get his jersey retired. And that's good. Uh, I, I do think Jared actually is a, a bigger leader on this team than you know. We don't see him on the floor, right. although Dominic Hawkins bangs his knee against Arkansas, and Jared comes in and starts playing, and then he's played more the last he couple of games, well. and he's played well. And we're starting to see that leadership from a guy like Jared Paulson. Right, and that's good. And, and they need this. Uh, and I think uh, James Young is probably the, the the most consistent player for Kentucky right now. And really, to me, in some ways, the most important player to Kentucky. And I know Randall is the, well, the stud. The, right. And But if, um, if Young starts really being an outside threat – it's going to make it that much harder for teams to collapse on Julius Randle. Yes. And I liked a lot of what I saw of having Young and Julius Randle on the same side of the floor. Um, and because, A, if Randle gets comfortable kicking that out, that's the best three-point shot right. for Young to take. Right. But also, it makes it a lot harder for that guy to sag off and, and guard Randle. And right. uh, it's going to open up things for him big time. And as long as uh, Randle keeps going hard and he is uh, looking like he – you know, I don't know. He, he needs so, to understand his role. He does, and he's he's still wanting to dribble up the floor. And I can't tell you how many times he's turned the ball over trying to trying to spin out of trouble, and they, he gets stripped all the time. But well, if, he, if he understands his role and plays the four, and like you said, kick out to Young, you know, when he, which he's trying to he's trying to showcase. You know, all these guys are trying to show. He's he's not coming back. Randall's no, not coming. And neither is Young. Well, yeah, Young's not coming back. Right. Not there's no chance. Come on, man. No, there's no breaking chance. Breaking my heart right now. I'd like to keep him back. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I think what you said is very important though, because if Young on the outside perimeter, he is the best. I forgot his stats. I think he's shooting thirty six percent thirty from the from behind the arc. But um, he's the most consistent three point threat. Um, if the Harrison twins would play a lot more consistent, I think this team and they're showing flashes. Of they it. are, and they're I keep forgetting they're freshmen. They're young because 
you know, as highly touted as they were, they're, they're having some growing pains, which I think Kentucky fans, you know, me being one of them, but we've got to tone it down a little bit. I mean, you got to, you got to realize these kids are 18, 19 years old. You got to give them some, give them a little bit of, you know, I would much, I would much rather be in our situation right now, ours in Kentucky's situation with a young team that's going to grow than I would a Michigan State team that's got almost everybody back from the Final Four team when they're struggling. And they're, they're not battling injuries. I mean, yeah. And they're, Michigan State's not nearly as that deep. And I will tell you this: the one thing that about Andrew Harrison, he said this in a recent interview, and I think it was on ESPN, but I'm not sure. And he mentioned that this is the first time ever in his life that he had been criticized for the way he played basketball. And I think that's had something to do with it. I mean, I think he's got it. They got to figure that out. And it's, they have been figuring it out. And now we're starting to see Andrew and Aaron, you know, not just play with each other, but being able to play as a team. Right. The, the thing with Randall, to me, Randall's unbelievable, just mm-hmm. unreal talent. But they have to play differently when Randall's in the game. And they almost have to play the an NBA-style isolation game for right. him to be effective where he can take the ball and and he, he holds the ball too long. You know, yeah. in some ways, but he's doing an NBA type offense. And so that takes away from what the Harrisons can do as far as running a team, you know, Andrew and Aaron. And uh, it's they, they kind of contradict each other. Mm-hmm. So that's why you saw, like, for example, when Randall's out the second half against Louisville, Andrew and Aaron really, in some ways, took over and mm-hmm led us to victory there because they were in a more comfortable spot of how their offense can run. Right. And they're so used to playing with each other and and everything else. Again, that game comes up Georgia and Kentucky at Kentucky one 30 today. Michigan state, Michigan is probably the biggest game of the day. Right. Uh, That's the, and I believe that's where college game day is. And uh, big 10 matchup, which is huge. The big 10, you know, was looking like they were going to be freaking gangbusters. Mm-hmm. And now they're starting to see the struggles with with Wisconsin, the struggles with Ohio State. Um, Michigan State looks like they're going to be getting Adrian Payne back very soon. But uh, Brandon Dawson now out with a broken hand for mm-hmm. six weeks. That's a huge loss for him. Right. Because yes. that's a big athletic perimeter defender who might be the best perimeter defender in all of college basketball who, uh, who was really starting to figure out his scoring too. I mean, to me, he's a borderline All-American and uh, I just uh, that's that's a huge loss for them, and I hope he gets back soon. He was a very classic guy, so I hope he comes back. I, I, and he may get back before tournament time, but they're going to be. You can't count Michigan State either. I said that earlier, but Michigan State gets to the Final Four and and often, and then you know we'll have to wait and see. But it's going to be real fun to watch. Watch how I don't think anybody's emerged as the best team. No, I'm not sure anyone has either. I think Arizona's probably probably is the best team. I like Syracuse. Um, um, Syracuse, I can't, I can't, you know, Tyler Ennis is playing just lights out leading that team of Syracuse. Um, both those teams, Arizona and Syracuse, are the two teams I do not want Kentucky to have to face in the tournament. Mm-hmm. First off, Syracuse has got that athletic zone, and I just feel like Kentucky struggles against the zone. And so a team that plays zone very well, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we'd have a whole lot of success against. And Arizona is the one team that's as big as we are, with they've got just. You know, with uh, with Caleb Tarzuski and, and uh, I can't believe I'm Aaron Gordon, and they're just they're huge, they're long, they're athletic, and so they would match us in that way. And uh, they have all that size down low with some youth, but they've got veteran guards on the mm-hmm. outside who are performing at a high level. And th- those two teams, to me, would be the two teams that I really don't want to 
I wouldn't want to face. I think Kansas is starting to come into their own, but I still think they're a little, you know, flawed in some ways. So right. we've only got a minute left in the show. So we're kind of wrapping up here. Fun. Uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you coming in. And, uh, you know, hopefully we wish, you know, obviously, Jeffersonville all the success in their soccer season coming up. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back a couple times before then be and great. get close to the soccer season. But I really appreciate you coming in. And uh, I hope everybody kind of just snuggles in on this snowy Saturday afternoon, enjoy some sports. And, uh, you know, unfortunately it's not a great day of sports, but maybe, you know, we could at least get a local game with the Kentucky and uh, have a great weekend. So signing off for the Weekend Sports Buzz, Mike Indafo. And uh, we will catch you next weekend. Take care. Be safe.